One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. On a crisp evening, during New York St. Patrick's Week celebrations in 2015, Aaron Brady sat at the bar of the Coachman's Inn. It attracted a rough enough crowd, and punch-ups weren't uncommon. It was a place he spent a lot of time, most Saturday nights in fact. He got to know the staff and customers well. Not that everyone there enjoyed his company. Daniel Cahill, a Dubliner around Brady's age, was working behind the bar. He could hear a one-upmanship battle about to get underway between Brady and his companions. Cahill was used to hearing Brady's boasts once a certain level of alcohol was consumed and rolled his eyes as he bent down to restock a shelving unit with Guinness glasses. It began with the usual statements. Who'd take on who in a fight? Which man could drink the most? But Brady had an obscure ace card up his sleeve. He was the only man in that group that knew what it felt like to take someone's life. Not just anyone's life, but he knew how it felt to take the life of a cop. The other men were familiar at this stage with Brady's boast. It wasn't the first time they'd heard it. The bar was busy, and while Brady was regaling the group on how it felt to have blood on his hands, a man pushed up alongside to try and order a drink. He didn't intend to eavesdrop on the men, but Brady became aware he had overheard some of the more incriminating aspects of his statements. He asked the man to step outside for a quick word, which he obliged, as he didn't want to cause a scene. The man was trying to de-escalate the situation to Brady as quickly as he could. He didn't want any trouble. Before he got the chance to speak, Brady pummeled him repeatedly in the head. He grabbed him by the collar and got close to his face. Keep your fucking mouth shut, Brady told him, as he released his grip on his shirt. The assault didn't cause much of a scene in the coachman's inn, as it was one of many fights that week. Aaron Brady got on with his night, and the injured party went home with a gash above his eye that would eventually leave a scar. 
a bad reminder of a night where he found himself in the wrong place at the wrong time. Two years later, in 2017, he answered a knock at his door. He was surprised to find two Homeland Security officers looking to talk. They had some questions they wanted to ask him. He wasn't the only one though, he was just one of 67 people the agents had on their list. The work behind the scenes was growing, and it was only a matter of time before Aaron Brady would have to answer questions of his own. There was five people there during the robbery. So did he pull the trigger? That's what they have to decide. There was certainly an element of witness intimidation there. There was a WhatsApp going around of a witness in America. The Making of a Detective is brought to you by The Irish Sun. I'm Ian Doyle. This is our last episode of the series. Please leave us a review in your podcast app. Or even better, tell a friend about the show. The investigation was making headway, but it wasn't all plain sailing. It seemed that the Omerta effect, the culture of silence which was so prominent on the border, had also made its way to New York City. Detectives were aware of multiple people who had information on Aaron Brady. Some of the intel was menial and wouldn't benefit their case. But others told stories of Aaron Brady's admissions of guilt. The only problem was, though, most people were willing to speak off the record. But that was about it. People you would expect uh, would make statements, but queer as folk, as I say, and, uh, you know, you don't, you know, all you can do is set your stall out and say, look, I want you to make a statement because of this and that and the other, and this is how it'll fit in and whatever. But if you don't want to make a statement, I can't force you, you know? And certain people say, no, I'm not making a statement. I know what he said, and he said this and that, and they wouldn't make a statement. I'm coming from the investigator's point of view, you know, and what strengthens my case, but I can't force anyone, and they have the right not to make a statement, and that's it. They obviously had concerns for their safety, but they had been given assurances that, you know, the, the, the Gardaí and the, the authorities would protect them. The statements collected so far pushed things in the right direction, but the Gardaí weren't sure whether this would be enough to bring a charge on Aaron Brady they'd have to keep on digging. So when Brady was in America uh, at the time, again, he was leading a normal life, working in construction. Uh, but, uh, but at the same time, you know, the, the Guardi were working very closely with their colleagues in Homeland Security and also in the NYPD. Uh, so the guards had, in Ireland had built up the case against him in terms of bringing charges against him in relation to um, the murder of Adrian Donahue. They were compiling their file that was to be presented to the Director of Public Prosecutions. The Guardi had wanted the DPP to charge him with murder. The DPP instructed them that more was going to be needed. For a case of this magnitude, it was vital they let nothing slip through the cracks. But murder and robbery wasn't the only violation that Aaron Brady was up against. At that time when he was in America, the, the, the file wasn't ready, there were no charges, so... Aaron Brady wasn't sent back to Ireland to stand trial straight away for the murder of Adrian Donoghue or to face a charge. Before moving stateside, Brady was on bail for ramming a Garda patrol van along with three taxis in 2011. He'd also outstayed his welcome in the States. He'd violated his visa, his stay, so he'd stayed longer in America than he should have done. He'd initially travelled to New Jersey and moved on to Boston in April 2013. 
By now, it was the spring of 2017. A couple months before he was arrested, uh, the feds took over the case and asked us to drop back on our surveillance and they started their own. A decision was made to try and get Aaron Brady back on home soil. Just as rumours of a cop killer in the Bronx had circulated, so did ones about Gardaí and NYPD agents ramping up their case. He knew that his time was limited and the officers wanted to avoid another cat and mouse chase across the states. Eddie Gonzalez was one of the NYPD officers that helped track Aaron Brady down. In the back of your mind, I think you're always going to feel that someday it may happen. But he was so grandish that he didn't care. Um, did he look leery? Did he look around? Yes. But again, I think he's just going to be that way until he, until he got caught. An operational plan was put in place. Homeland Security officers would perform the sting early in the morning as Brady travelled to work. It was May 18th, 2017, and the sun was just rising across the city landscape. The morning that he was going to be taken down, I requested to be in one of the cars that was there. Um, He left his house early in the morning, got into a nice Audi A4 and started driving. The officers knew his route to work. They'd been trailing him for a period of months, and it was daily routine inside out by this stage. That morning, Aaron Brady thought it was going to be just another day on site. It was close to 5.30am. His main concerns were making it into the city for a 6am start. I think he was a little tired then. Then he just thought it was a regular car stop. About 100 metres from his home, he approached a set of traffic lights. You know, he's being pulled over for a traffic violation. The vehicle pulled up behind him, lights flashing, and his rearview mirror. We knew he didn't have a driver's license, so he was pulled over. He didn't seem surprised. An officer approached the vehicle and asked him to step outside. Brady had no license to drive and was getting nervous. He slowly opened the driver's seat door and stepped outside onto the road. As he looked over the bonnet, his whole world came crashing down. A swarm of agents surrounded the vehicle. Sirens lit the pink sky as the sun began to rise across the iconic skyline. Aaron Brady knew this was it. His luck had finally ran out. Then when he saw the uh, federal agents with emblems of federal agents on them, he looked very surprised and dejected. Obviously, he must have been shocked. As you look at the photographs of him when he's arrested, he, he looks stunned that there's such a huge, heavy security presence around him. He was placed in handcuffs and put in the back of a police car. As the door slammed, he thought about what was awaiting him at home. How he managed to find himself in this mess. Brady was flown back to Ireland by Garda Escort and was seen in Dundalk Circuit Court for the driving charges that he faced. He was initially convicted of the domestic charges and he got a six-month sentence. 
I believed and the prosecuting guard believed that uh, it was very lenient. It went back to the DPP and they agreed with the guardie that uh, the sentence was lenient and it should be reviewed again. The case was reviewed again and he got an extra six months on top of the six months that he had got initially. Aaron Brady was to spend the next 12 months behind bars in Wheatfield Prison in Dublin. This bought the Guardi more time, as they continued their search for sufficient evidence to deliver Ireland's first capital murder charge in nearly 40 years. Brady served his time in Wheatfield while the Guardi were at work building their case. I remember the time well because it was time of the bad snow and uh, I had to book into a bed and breakfast in Dundalk. In the course of that uh, time where he was in prison, we progressed the case on further and on the day of his release when he was walked outside of Wheatfield. Brady was walking down the road directly outside of the prison. It was March 4th, 2018. It was good to be out in the open air once more, but he had a feeling this wasn't the last piece of his past coming back to haunt him. Over five years had passed since the Lordship shooting. He wasn't sure what the future held, but at least momentarily, he was free. Like a mirror image from his New York City arrest, a team of guardies swarmed in on him. The DPP had given the green light to charge Aaron Brady, and this time for capital murder. He was swiftly rearrested and brought back to custody for questioning. His freedom had lasted mere minutes. The thing about arresting Aaron Brady wasn't a case to go down there and lift him and bring him in. I had a whole operational order prepared in respect of who was going to be involved in the arrest, like who was doing the arrest, who was going there. Uh, will the members be armed? Will we need armed backup, uh, which I did have there just in case he had someone to pick him up and they had an army of people to you know, defend him or whatever. All of that had to be planned out. Brady was back in custody, but the honour of delivering the bad news was left to Pat Murray. His career had many standout moments, but few as important as this. I went down to the cell. Uh, he knew he was at the end of his detention. He was expecting to get out and walk away. Uh, uh, the door of the cell was open. He was standing there. He walked out with a bit of a brazen head on him. And as he walked out, I just put my hand on his shoulder and I said, no, you're free now. You're not detained under the, under the provisions of Section 50 anymore, and you're free. Brady's stride continued as he moved towards the exit door of the corridor. In typical Pat Murray fashion, he was pleased to have the last laugh. And then I put my hand on his shoulder and I said, look, um, I'm now arresting you for the, the murder of Adrian Dunhill for the purpose of charge. And he just looked at me and he says, I had nothing to do with the murder of Adrian Dunhill. Brady's fate was sealed long ago, and he knew it. But the immortal blow of being delivered the charge was hard to stomach. There was no getting away from it now. He knew if convicted, he faced a long sentence behind bars. As the news spread across the country, in articles and reports, a whole state would come to know Aaron Brady's name. The self-described most feared man in Ireland. For Pat and his colleagues, the feelings were mixed. It was a milestone moment in all of their careers, but only a minor constellation, having lost a man they all cared so much about. It was emotional, yeah, because this was 
the next step of getting there like you know and I remember when I was on the phone and there was one or two female uh, detectives there and they were in the office and uh, they started crying like you know uh, like they could see all the hard work to put in and they you know so they were emotional they, the green light had been given to have this man charged with capital murder and that was it Now that Aaron Brady was charged, it was vital that the prosecution were entering the case with as much evidence as possible. What was gathered in the years since the shooting was all circumstantial, but would it be enough? While Brady was awaiting his day in court, the Gardaí and US intelligence agencies were still working hard to gather the final witness statements of anyone he may have spoken to in connection with the murder. further break came after another man, familiar to Brady, got speaking with Homeland Security detectives. On the 25th of July, 2019, Daniel Cahill was asleep at home. Cahill, a former bartender in the Coachman's Inn, had moved on to a new cocktail bar in White Plains, New York. He didn't miss the Coachman's Inn one bit. His work nights no longer involved breaking up fights with dodgy characters high on an ego trip. As he was dozing off, he heard a large knock at the door. Outside of his building, two detectives were waiting, wanting to speak to him. They believed Brady confessed to him about the shooting. Not once, but multiple times. They waited, and waited some more. Two hours went by, but they had a strong suspicion that Cahill was inside. Eventually, his wife answered the door and let the officers in. After a few minutes of searching the property, Cahill was found in his attic. He'd been there for close to two hours. The detectives were confused, as was Cahill. There was a small quantity of steroids and a suspected cannabis plant concealed in a closet. But the detectives weren't interested in them. They only wanted information on Aaron Brady. you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Over two years went by before Aaron Brady's case would be seen in court. But in that period of time... I remember before I left and I made it quite clear that there was an issue of disclosure. It's going to be a huge and massive task to disclose everything to the defence. And I looked to put uh, six people on it full time. The amount of witnesses, statements, video evidence and other documentation was mammoth. All evidence the prosecution had compiled needed to be disclosed to the Brady defence team before a jury would ever see it. This included testimony from Pat himself. I was hauled over the coals uh, in the disclosure as a witness, like you know. And that went on for two months before the trial started. And the trial lasted six months. It was the longest criminal trial in Irish history. And it was certainly the biggest murder investigation the state had ever seen. The trial got underway on the 1st of February 2020. No one envisioned the difficulties a pandemic would bring to the process. Much of the evidence based around this case was coming from New York, people that Brady had blabbed to during his stay. To put it bluntly, the trial was extremely messy from beginning to end. The prosecution were reliant on having as many witness statements as possible, but it's believed that up to five potential witnesses did not give evidence during the trial, potentially because of acts of witness intimidation taking place on both sides of the Atlantic. Extremely long case, so it was a lot of evidence to, to go through. But what, what strikes me about it as well um, is th- uh, throughout the process, and an investigation is still ongoing, there was a, a concern about witness intimidation. There was a WhatsApp going around of um, a witness, who a video of a witness in America, which wasn't used in, in the trial, of talking about Aaron Brady's behaviour and what he had admitted to. In what the presiding judge, Michael White, noted as the most outrageous contempt of court he'd ever seen, a video circulated on Facebook of a witness telling Gardy he had heard Aaron Brady stating that he was responsible for the shooting. The video was taken down offline, only to resurface hours later, captioned with the words rat and tout. The witness did not come forward to give evidence. He was one of five witnesses who did not testify in the trial at the Central Criminal Court earlier this year, during which there were repeated claims that witnesses were being interfered with and intimidated. Upon hearing that there was very little that could be done on controlling the circulation of the videos, Justice White remarked it as a sobering day for the administration of justice in Ireland. Molly Stanton, the former girlfriend of Aaron Brady's roommate, was one of few witnesses to make statement at the trial who had heard him confess to the murder. Hers came from a video link because of the pandemic. That in itself brought the court into difficulty at stages throughout the trial. 
During Staunton's testimony, prosecution counsel Brendan Gretton was questioning her on what she had heard that night in the apartment. As she was just about to reply, she turned to someone facing behind her camera and said, Can you leave? A male voice disgruntedly replied, You fuck off. Following up with, Put a stop to it. You can put a stop to it right now. No more testimony. At that stage, the feed went blank, mirroring the faces around the courtroom. Michael White then directed the jury to leave as he tried to get a hold on what was happening. Daniel Cahill, Brady's local barman, has since been described as the most significant witness in this historic trial. On the 25th of July, 2019, after speaking to the Homeland Security officers who'd knocked at his door, he was brought to a local police station and questioned. Cahill was unique to the trial and to the prosecution. Aaron Brady had infamously loose lips once under the influence of alcohol, and Cahill had the misfortune of getting a front row seat to his antics while trying to get on with his work day. The jury were told how Cahill heard Brady vocalise how he'd murdered Adrian Donahue not once, but three times in total. An incident happened after Brady was involved in a ruckus while standing at the bar of the Coachman's Inn. He took a box to the face and suffered a gash that was bleeding heavily. Daniel Cahill followed him in to the bathroom of the Coachman's Inn to check what had happened. He tried to see if Brady was okay or if he was in need of assistance. But he wasn't listening. He was furious. He couldn't believe someone would cross Ireland's most feared man. Cahill told the court that Brady said he should have known better as he'd shot an Irish cop and it would be stupid to get involved or mess with a man like Aaron Brady. This wasn't the first time that Brady had alluded to the shooting to Cahill. In 2014, he was drunk sitting at the bar, visibly down. Him and Cahill chatted about life as Brady lamented about things in his life coming back at him. A robbery gone wrong, where he'd shot a guard in the process. This was in 2014, when the two men weren't as well acquainted as Brady was new in the neighbourhood. Cahill wasn't sure if it was just pub talk. Another hard man trying to make a name for himself. At the time, he hadn't paid much interest in the comment. On a third occasion, in 2015, customers of the Coachman's Inn invited the bartender back to a party as his shift was finishing. As Cahill entered the residence, he came across what he described in court as a pissing contest between Brady and two others, all trying to outdo each other. It's hard to wrap your head around how many people Aaron Brady was happy to let his secret slip to. Some friends are one thing, but a local barman is another. And I, I think there was a certain an element of arrogance, uh, bravado, and here and then once again playing like the macho image to you know if you cross me, here's what I did in Ireland. You know I could do this to you. So trying to again build up this reputation of someone who is capable of, of killing someone and is a cop killer. Uh, which is, is something that no one wants to be associated with, but he didn't have any problem telling people that this is what he did. The trial meandered on for close to six months. By far the longest criminal trial that the state had ever seen. The jury of six men and seven women had been given the facts of the case 
and were sent away to deliberate on it. Aaron Brady's fate was now in their hands. One of the stranger aspects of the trial came towards its end, as the public bore witness to small pockets of support groups for the accused. Figures of anti-lockdown and anti-vaccination movements were present outside of the Central Criminal Court. Members of the group held tricolours and signs proclaiming justice for Aaron Brady. It's strange this now is going in that last day before the jury came out and um, one of that group of people, someone said, oh, here he is now, here's the architect of the, of the crooked investigation, like, you know, pointing at me, like, you know, here he is, here he is. You know, I was looking at her. I said, say, what's this girl on about? And I just walked in, ignored her and walked into court, like, you know. I just felt it all very, you know what I mean, <laughs> bizarre, you know. Brady had multiple charges against him. Most notably, the capital murder conviction. But also the robbery too, and the jury needed to answer both. He was charged with the capital murder and also uh, charged later charged with the robbery of, of the credit union. And the jury were asked if they had, at one of the days, did they make a decision on any charge? And they said they had, yeah. And they were asked what, and they said, oh, we found him guilty on the robbery. This caught those in the courtroom off guard, as they were expecting both verdicts to be delivered in the same breath. And that was sort of a shock to us because it wasn't done in the, the normal format of how the jury come out and say, yeah, we found him guilty, like, you know. So they still had to go back and deliberate for another, I think it was a day and a half, about the actual capital murder, like, you know. But we knew before that verdict that he was convicted of the robbery. So we were saying, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Like, is it, is it you know, like, so we have to say it was a good thing because, he, 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 you know, there was five people there during the robbery. So they were obviously thinking he was there. So did he pull the trigger? That's what they have to decide. This was it. No matter the outcome, the case would go down in history. The most challenging investigation that Pat and potentially the Gardee had ever come up against. The jury had a decision to make. Did Aaron Brady pull the trigger during the Lordship robbery? Was he guilty beyond reasonable doubt? Seven years after the shooting of Detective Garda Adrian Donoghue in County Louth, Aaron Brady has been found guilty of capital murder. The 29-year-old from New Road, Cross McGlen County, Armagh, is now facing a mandatory 40-year sentence following his conviction at the Central Criminal Court this afternoon. A verdict they'd waited a long time to hear, Aaron Brady guilty of capital murder. Eleven jurors agreed that Brady was the gunman who shot and killed Detective Garda Adrian Donoghue, a father of two. The scenes in the courtroom were mild in comparison to other verdicts Pat sat through. His Garda colleagues and the Donoghue family were pleased that Aaron Brady would finally see justice. But the pain he caused in the previous seven years was clear. Adrian's death took its toll on everyone close to him. Colleagues, friends, and most importantly, family.
I remember I was sitting at the back of the back of the court and uh, they said guilty and uh, I didn't well up or shout or roar I just you know I just said to myself another one down good one you know I felt and just not for me but for the team the amount of work that the detectives put in like it's you'd want to be there with them to see the volume of work they get through and the amount of paperwork and you know it's just huge and I was delighted for them as well as myself and for the Caroline and the Donahue family and uh, I was very very pleased you know and I knew justice was done A family man like Adrian Donahue committed to his family devoted to his community but also someone who'd served the state in terms of trying to protect the state from people like Aaron Brady. And I, I think it sent out a very strong message that if you do target members in such a brutal and, and violent way, there will be serious consequences. And on this occasion, it's not just an ordinary murder, it's a capital murder because Brady targeted a servant of the state. Chief Superintendent of the Loud District, Christy Mangan, spoke about Brady's complacency during the investigation. They murdered Adrian, they left the scene, they went into Northern Ireland and then they thought that borders would save them, but borders didn't save them. The the long arm of the law extended into the United States of America and ensured that Aaron Brady received justice uh, here today. Eddie and James, the US officers that played their part, were both on the same page as to why the case held such importance. It was more for the family than for anything else. You know, we do our job and, you know, it was a fellow law enforcement person that was killed. But uh, just to have the family um, get some get some satisfaction if they can out of this, uh, you know, was a good thing. I was very happy for the family, happy for his kids, his wife, you know, it, you know, all all the his colleagues, you know. We know, you know, I have lost good friends of mine in the police department, very good friend of mine, and I know the pain and I know it hurts, and and it's never going to go away. But at least you can find justice. It's one thing that you can't find justice. So I'm very happy for the family for at least a little bit of closure. I think the investigation into Detective Garda, Adrian Donahue's brutal murder, you know, didn't just involve law enforcement in Ireland. It also involved law enforcement as far as field as America. The, Australia, Germany and Holland, and also the PSNI and the National Crime Agency in the UK also played a crucial role. Uh, but also within the, the Garda organisation itself, there was a huge um, wealth of resources placed into the investigation. And the investigation team in Dundalk had uh, assistance from the Special Detective Unit, the Emergency Response Unit, the Garda National Technical Bureau, and you also had CCTV viewers, telephone liaison officers, exhibit officers, armed support unit were involved, uniformed officers, you had people like Martin Beggy in the incident room. Uh, you also had senior investigators Brian Mohan and John O'Reilly traveling to the US in 2013 and forging links with the NYPD. We had NBCI detectives Mark Phillips and Jim McGovern who remained uh, on secondment to Dundalk for the duration of the investigation. Senior investigators from the NBCI such as George Kine, were also heavily involved. And I think it's important to point out what Superintendent Jerry Curley at the time said that there was a huge team effort in the case and they had received great assistance from the NBCI, but also from other national units. And there was a, re a resolution there, there was a determination 
and the resilience there to get this case over the line. And I think also it was very hard for the investigation team because at the same time as they were investigating Adrian Donahue's murder, uh, another colleague was also murdered a few years after Adrian's, uh, Tony Golden. So uh, again, despite this, despite suffering another loss, that there was a determination there to pull together, to forge ahead and get justice for Adrian Donahue and his family. After the verdict was called, Caroline, Adrian's wife, and his brother Colm, also a guard, spoke to the public and press outside. They thanked all involved in the case for not giving up on their loved one all those years later. I would like to most sincerely thank the jury for sticking with this trial for so long, and for my guard, our colleagues, and for the prosecution team, on behalf of Amy Nile and myself, thank you very much. Well, I'd like to commend the jury of 15 ordinary people who were sworn in at the end of January. We'd like to thank each and every one of them. Their lives have been put on hold for the last six months, and the commitment they've shown through these challenging times has been humbling. A troubling fact still remains for those close to the Donoghue family. Justice prevailed on that day alone, but they were hopeful there was more to come. Aaron Brady was not alone in Lordship on the 25th of January 2013. The quest for justice for Adrian will continue and we appeal to anyone, near or far, who has any information and may assist in this investigation, come forward and do the right thing to bring those involved to justice. While justice has been done today, nothing will bring back Adrian to his wife, his two kids, his parents, his family, his colleagues and his friends. As has been said, this trial Adrian was a good man and the very least he deserves is that justice be served. Aaron Brady was sentenced to 40 years in prison for shooting Adrian Donoghue at point-blank range during the Lordship robbery. It was the first capital murder charge in Ireland for over 35 years, and the South Armagh man has since been living a quiet life behind bars in Portleash Prison. A 2013 Supreme Court decision ruled that those convicted of a capital murder charge should, like all prisoners, be entitled to 25% remission, potentially reducing his time in prison to 30 years, dependent on his behaviour. Aaron Brady is appealing his case later this year, and if not successful, the earliest he will see the outside world again will be August 2050 as he approaches his 58th birthday. Adrian Dunne, who was murdered, he was murdered by a group of people, one person pulling the trigger and uh, a number of them involved in the robbery and a need to be investigated and, and brought to justice and that's what happened and rightly so and like in all jury trials like it's it's not the guards that are uh, finding him guilty it's his own peers it's people a selection of people from society and that's the way it is and it's it's you know and that's the way it is and there's no doubt in my mind Aaron Brady was, was there and the man, like, you know, no doubt. Pat Murray made a promise to himself and his wife during the tail end of the investigation. I had my mind made up. When I salvaged and done I'm out of here and that's it. And that's exactly what he did. And in an uncharacteristically ceremonious fashion. So the day I charged Aaron Brady with the murder of Adrian Donoghue, I handed in my resignation papers. And I have a picture 
uh, I can show it to you at any stage of me with my the charge sheet on one hand and my retirement papers in the other. So I went down and I charged Aaron Brady with the murder of Adrian Dunhu. I came back up and I put the papers in the uh, tray for the chief superintendent's office and that was it. I'm out of here, lads. I'm finished with you. And that was it. I had done my job. I kept my word. I done it for my colleagues. I done it for Adrian Dunhu's family. I done it for Caroline. I done it for their children. I done it for us in our office and the detectives that worked with him, that stood shoulder to shoulder with him. And he deserves that. Pat retired exactly four years ago from the day this podcast was released. No, I've no regrets. I've no regrets. You know, you, you move on, you live and you learn. And, you know, that's it. Policing is a difficult job. Being a policeman is difficult. You're going to come across any amount of situations or life situations that will uh, have an impact or affect you like or an impact on you like, you know. He now has his own private investigation firm based out of his home in Mullingar. Things don't quite move at the same pace they used to, but he's content with that. In the next few years, Pat has hopes to write a crime fiction novel, drawing on some of his own experiences in the force and the hectic life that consumed him for over 30 years. But at times, his own career wrote like fiction. Crazy highs and troubling lows. He knows it wasn't all plain sailing and that other parts of his life suffered in the process. Things may have been different had the Brady charge not come about. Still in Fort Apache, searching for justice for the Dunahoos and his colleagues. And it is a, a testament really that like how many guards would have been able to solve their colleague's murder. The Making of a Detective was brought to you by the Irish Sun this series was written and produced by me, Ian Doyle. I would like to thank Kieran McDade, Stephen Breen, Declan Ferry, Hugh Hannigan, Laurie Kelly, Sasha Hamrogue, Stephen O'Farrell and Brian McCarthy for their part in pulling this series together. And most importantly, a huge thank you to Paul Colley, Sinead Howard-Byrne, Dave Dorr, and Pat Murray for telling their stories and bringing the podcast to life. If you want to hear more about the life and career of Pat Murray, buy his 2019 book, The Making of a Detective, by Penguin Books. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.